Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, as Ken said, fortunately, John hasn't been able to make it today, so I'm going to do my best to cover his few slides at the start of this. Um, so I'm going to be talking about um, a historical maps project we've been doing um, in Bath, as part of Bath Hacked. This was actually one of our hack days that we ran recently. We do have people who wander around like this, dressed, dressed in this costume in Bath. Um, so, a bit of background. Uh, for those of you who know, don't know anything about Bath and North East Somerset, uh, we're in the southwest. We've got a suburb called Bristol. Um, it's a very uh, scenic part of the country. There's a lot of green spaces. Um, we've got a, a chunk of the Cotswolds area of national beauty is, is in Baines area. Bath is obviously the main, um, uh, main population centre, but we've got several market towns in Baines as well. Kensham, uh, uh, Midsummer Norton, Radstock. Um, area with very high social capital. Um, but like many areas of the UK and the public sector, um, it's quite a squeeze on finances at the moment, which means that the council has to be quite creative around how um, it manages and uses its data to produce intelligence. So rather than um, buying in kind of black box research, black box solutions, it tries to work collaboratively with um, organisations and communities in the local area um, to create insight and intelligence. So this is where it started to work with Bath Hacked. So Bath Hacked is a local, um, community-driven open data project in Bath. Um, it's entirely community-driven, so the data store that we're using to publish the data is owned and administered by the local community, by the local developers, and not Baines itself. But we've been working very closely with Baines to identify data sets to open up, um, and they've been you know, working very closely with us to make that happen um, on schedule. So we've got um, a lot of interesting data that we've published already, um, live air quality data, live planning updates, uh, live car parking feeds. So the kind of things that, um, uh, kind of data sets that people are interested in to help uh, improve their life uh, in the city. Um, but we're also, as part of Bath Act, we try to be inclusive and open um, and we've been looking around for um, some slightly different things to do with the data and resources that we have available to create some kind of interesting and engaging things for people to use. Um, and so this is where the historical maps project um, kicked off. Um, like many of our projects, it was kicked off over a pint in the pub. Um, so John told me that they had um, a number of uh, historical maps that the council wanted to make available in some way but they weren't sure about the best way to do that. Um, particularly as some of the maps are very large. There's one ordnance survey map that's um, two gigabytes, one massive two, two gig image. Um, just putting that on the council website wasn't really going to make it easy for people to use, and they were a bit concerned about kind of bandwidth and overheads with lots of people downloading it. So that was a challenge. So could we do something with those maps um, to make them available for people? None of them had been available digitally before. Um, they've essentially just been locked away um, in the archives. Um, so it would be great to kind of get them online. And we thought that this would be something that could provide some insight and an interesting thing for the local community to engage with over and above you know, things like live parking feeds. Um, personally, I will, um, I'll find that a lot of the smart city uh, discussions is a little bit dry because it's about... Um, 
planning and control and efficiency and not very much about culture and heritage and all of those things that kind of add colour to life in the city. So I was quite enthusiastic to kind of get my hands on the maps and try and do something with it. Um, This particular map is a section of um, a map from 1942. Um, It's more than just a map, it's actually a visualisation. The map was put together after the April 1942 air raids on Bath, what's called the uh, Bidecker raids. Um, and the surveyors went around the town and they've colour-coded all the buildings based on the severity of the bomb damage. So there's a, there's a key on the bottom of the map that um, uh, you can use to assess where the, dam- how, the severity of damage in different areas. Um, so I was very keen to try and get this, this available, especially as there'd been a lot of community projects to kind of gather insight and information about, about the war. There's a lot of work that goes on in the local schools around um, this. There's a lot in the, in the curriculum as well. So um, looking into this, uh, I happened on a technique called georeferencing. Um, I won't go into it in a great deal of detail, but essentially what it, what it involves is taking a digital image of a map and um, working out the latitude and longitude of every pixel in the image, or the pixels, uh, the latitude and longitude of all the, corn, of the four corners. Um, and the way that you do that is by um, lining up the, the image with another map. So in this case, I'm lining it up with uh, an open street map layer. Um, it works, very, uh, works uh, very similar to what you would do if you were just trying to line up two paper maps. You'd put one map down, you would take the other piece of paper, and you would ju- just kind of adjust the, the, the one map until it sits comfortably on top of the other. So that's what we're doing, but we let the, uh, we let, um, the software handle doing all of the kind of rotation all we need to provide it with is a series of control points. So the process basically involves having one window open with your historical map, one window open with um, a uh, mapping layer, and you just go through and click on your old map and say, this, area, this point here is this point on, on the current live map. It's the sort of thing you can do over a cup of tea on the sofa, which is how I did most of these. It's very, it's very straightforward. There's, there's lots of great software out there, so I used an open source um, framework called QGIS, um, which has got all of this support built in. So it was very simple to do. So um, you go through the georeferencing, and what you end up with is another image, but that image has embedded in it the extra um, latitude and longitude information. So it can be aligned with another mapping layer. But you need to do a little bit more than that to actually make it useful. You've still essentially got a two-gigabyte image what you want to do is to chop it up into smaller images that you can then put onto a mapping service like OpenStreetMap or Google Maps. So you can use uh, another piece of software that will take that image and create a series of tiles, so a series of smaller squares that the mapping service can use. So it starts off with um, a very low-resolution image, so a kind of a zoomed-out version, because if you're zoomed out on your map, you don't need all of the detail that's on that 2 gigabyte original. You just need a, small, um, a, a smaller version. And as you zoom in, it can load more and more detailed um, tiles, um, and it only needs to show um, the actual portion of the map that you're looking at. So it's much more efficient in terms of memory overhead. It's much more efficient in terms of bandwidth, because you're only loading the bits and pieces that you're interested in. So by doing that, you can start to um, uh, uh, integrate these maps with um, tools like um, Google, Google Maps, OpenStreetMap, and Google Earth. 
Um, we focused on using Google Earth to begin with because it had quite a nice user experience um, and it meant that we didn't have to then build a separate um, application to let people interact with the maps in the way that we wanted to. Um, as it turned out, we could also go to some other sources for some historical maps. So um, the British Library have put up a million um, uh, images onto Flickr. and They've put them into the public domain. Um, what they've done is, as part of um, doing some OCR on um, books that they hold in their archives, the OCR software throws away sections of the page because it's got no text in it. And that turns out to be the pictures that are in the books. So they took all the pictures and put them onto Flickr, and it turns out that some of those pictures are actually maps. So there's been an exercise to go through to tag up the images to say which ones are actually got maps in them. So I sat and went through all those and found all of the maps of Bath and added it to my, to my list of things to georeference. Um, so this is a section of a map from 1795. Um, it's called the Harcourt Plan of Bath. It's one of the earlier, um, kind of more formally um, put together maps of the area. So I was able to uh, include those as well. So the end result was a... Um, series of uh, mapping layers that we can put on top of a modern um, uh, mapping application to let people interact with these historical maps the same way as you you'd interact with, with Google Maps or OpenStreetMap. Um, I will try and show a demo of this at the end because static images aren't really going to uh, kind of show you the, the power and wonder of it, um, but I was a bit worried about kind of bandwidth and technical issues, so I'll show you the slides and then I'll show you the demo. Um, so this is a screenshot of that same map overlaid onto, um, onto Google Earth. So you can do all the things that you would expect. You can pan and zoom um, and explore the map, but you can also compare the map with its modern-day equivalent. So you can change the opacity of the layer, so you can, you can see, you know, you can move back and forward in time and see how an area has changed. Um, you can also um, compare maps with one another. So you can have multiple layers active, so you can look at the differences between two historical maps in a much easier way than if you had them rolled out on a bit of paper on, on a table. Uh, this is a map of Bath from 1672. Um, we've got nine maps in total. The earliest one is from 1572, and the most recent ones are uh, two of the bombing maps, which are from 1942. Um, and I'm keen to, to get some more, and that's that'll be a part of the ongoing development of the, of the project. A line, doing the georeferencing on something like this, which is basically just a hand-drawn picture of a city versus something which has been formally kind of laid out by Ordnance Survey, is a little bit more of a challenge, and there's a bit of an art to it, because you can run it through some of the georeferencing algorithms, and it pops out in a very heavily distorted way, because it's really trying to overlay it on the modern city. But here I've just kind of chosen something that kind of works good enough, so you can see where the alignment is. I'll show you how that works in practice uh, in a little bit. So um, all of this is available as open data. So we have the Bath Act data store is, uh, uses Socrata. Um, we've put all of the outputs of the project into the store. So I've been thinking of this as a uh, nose-to-tail open data project. There's no wastage. Nothing has gone unlicensed. So there's a lot of artifacts that we produce by doing, going through this process. There's the original uh, digital image, which has got some metadata associated with it. There's the geo-referenced image with the added um, coordinates. Then there's the tiles. Um, then there's just metadata about the layers that we've produced. All of that is open data. 
um, and it's all published in the store. So that means that if all you're interested in is in the output, if you just want to take the layers and use them somewhere in an application, you can do that. If you just want the original images, then you can take that as well. So we wanted to make sure that somebody could pick up any, at any point in the workflow and build on it. So everything, everything is completely open. Um, we've had a lot of... Um, a lot of great feedback from people. It turns out that lots of people like geeking out over historical maps. We had a lot of good feedback from the community. Um, and we've been uh, doing some outreach to local schools to um, encourage them to look at what we've produced um, and try to use it. Um, we've also, you, just playing with the maps, you can uh, find some interesting things that kind of just lead you to find more interesting things. Everybody I've shown it to has, tends to have lost several hours in just kind of exploring, exploring the maps. You kind of find um, buildings that have disappeared, kind of ghost buildings, which you have to kind of then go to Wikipedia to try and find out, well, what was that thing? Um, here I'm showing uh, the 1818 and 1852 maps. Um, what you can see here is the arrival of the railway. Um, so the Baspar Railway Station was built in 1840, so pretty much in between when these two maps were published. So you can see the railway line coming in. Um, there's a bridge which is where are we? here that's not there on that map so this is part of um, North Parade so that br bridge was built in 1836 um, to make it easier to get to this side of the city it was part of this, the kind of development of, um, of the east side of Bath so there's just lots of insight you can get from just kind of, kind of comparing these maps but what I wanted to do was to try and add a bit more colour to it. So it wasn't just <laughs> maps. Um, was it, was, I was trying to think about other things that we could put on, on there to make it even more engaging. Um, and I, I was having a conversation with a um, local estate agent. Um, I got in touch with him because he'd put together a spreadsheet of um, the historical occupancy of one of the shopping streets in Bath, where he's his particular premises are. And he'd gone to the library and he'd gone through all of the old post office directories and he'd written down who was in which, which um, house um, from, I think it was 1890 to something like 1970. So he's got a spreadsheet with all this data in. So I asked him if we could put it onto the store and he said, yeah, that's great. Um, by the way, I collect old postcards um, and I've got all of these digital images. Um, do you, would you like to take them and do something with it? Yes, I said. <laughs> Uh, so this is one of his uh, one of his postcards. It's shown the Grand Pump Room Hotel in Bath. Um, this was built in 1869. Um, it's not there now. It was knocked down in 1959. So it was only around for for about well less than 100 years. Fantastic building. It's kind of a shame that it's it's disappeared. So I was looking at this, and then I was looking at the the British Library Flickr stream, and I found the same hotel. This is an ad for the hotel published in 1883 in one of the books that, that they digitised and, and put online. So I started to think, well, could we start to put these images into the map as well? Um, and then I kind of spent an awful lot of time digging through dusty corners of, of the internet looking for public domain or Creative Commons li licensed photos and artworks that I could start to integrate with the maps. This is a painting of Bath from 1790 showing at Pulteney Bridge and the Weir. Um, this is in the Yale British Art Collection. Um, so what I realised I could do was um, 
to start to integrate these photos and artworks into the landscape again um, and create something like uh, an art trail um, that would add some extra colour and context to the maps. Um, so what I was doing was starting to treat uh, these pictures not as scans of um, you know, a physical artwork, but what if we treated them as if they'd been born digital to begin with? So what if, as the artist was painting, his canvas was geocoding the picture for him? So what I, after I'd pulled together a list of um, photos and images, I went through them and um, added them to a map. I've built a map that shows what each of these, um, what are these paintings and photos is depicting. Not, I haven't put the point of the map here. It's not Pulteney Bridge. It's where the artist was sat when he was actually doing the painting. So it's the same as if your camera was actually geocoding when you were taking a, taking a digital photo today. Um, I also discovered more than just um, photos. British Pathé have, have got a whole collection of films that are on YouTube. Um, so I went through all of their collection and found all of the videos that feature Bath, and I included them as well. Um, that's a little bit more complex, so I constrained it to just finding the location of the first few shots of the video. So I have a big playlist, and then I went through that and um, uh, added latitude and longitude as well. So to actually just collect all of this data, I ended up using um, a Google Maps Engine, um, which is quite a nice little service. You can upload it a CSV file with some lat longs in it and some data, and it will build a map for you. Or you can just go through and manually put points on it. So over more tea on the sofa, I went through my list of videos and pictures and started to build up um, this map. Um, and it let me just put some metadata in, so the year and the title. Um, I could link it to the images on the video and provide links to the original source. So I was able to create another kind of uh, another type of map that would start to showcase some of this information. Um, and I had some interesting experiences in putting it together. Um, so this is a, uh, a painting by um, Humphrey Repton, who's a famous landscape gardener, but he's also a painter. Um, it's of the uh, North Parade area of Bath. It was created in 1784. Um, the bridge I mentioned earlier will later appear over here in about 100 years. Um, so this is in the Yale British Art Collection, um, clearly documented. This picture is in the British Museum Collection. It's attributed to an anonymous author and it's got a general date between 1780 and 1790. It's clearly the same picture. It's obviously the same artist. Um, so while this isn't going to set the art history world alight, there's no real huge discovery here, the point I wanted to make was that just by pulling together some of these disparate sources and looking at them in a slightly different way, so based on a geographic context, I've found some, um, I found some data that the British Museum may be interested with. So I kind of might have to reach out to them and say, you can fix this up because this is actually the painting that this is based on. Um, so... Obviously, the next step then is to bring that all together. So take the mapping layers and take the manually produced um, uh, overlays and bring them all together in Google Earth. So you can export a KML layer from the Maps Engine, so I can just add it as another layer on top of what I'd already produced. So I haven't showed all of it here, but here's the map I showed earlier, the 1672. Um, and there's a picture that was in the same book um, and I've 
identified where that picture came from. Um, so now when you've got all these points active in Google Earth, you can see the map. You can see that there's a point there and you can click on the point and go down to ground level and see what Bath looked like in 1672. So... Um, this is the closest thing we'll get to 17th century street view. Um, but you can do that on lots of bits of Bath now. You can kind of find, you know, you can find an old map and you can find uh, a photo or painting or something that's, uh, if not at the same date, then, then kind of nearby. And the interesting thing is, is that the, the pictures and the maps then are linked to the book. So you can find the, book, the public domain book from the British Library um, and you can have a look at what, you know, what they were writing about Bath at the time. And in a lot of cases, I've found old guidebooks to Bath. There's a whole bunch that's on the Internet Archive. So you can actually kind of do a proper old tour of Bath written by somebody at the time, as well as a kind of modern-day version. So obviously, there's a lot more that we could build on top of that. You know, we can put, start to put um, older boundaries, um, put some of these kind of waypoints and markers on, uh, onto there. So I learned a few things along the way. Um, the, it's actually not a very technical process. The process of doing the georeferencing is quite straightforward. It was more effort just to get the software installed and up and running. Um, all you really need is some local knowledge. Um, I think I, you know, most of my time has just been trying to identify the locations for, for some of the pictures and the paintings. <coughs> there are a few that were a little bit tricky just because the, just the, the artistic license on what the title of the painting one was a bit... Um, was a bit freer than I expected. There was one painting I ended up driving around on Google Street View for until half an hour until I found exactly the right hill in Bath where the, the artists had painted or set up their easel. <coughs> um, so, it's, so what I'm getting at is it's easily replicable. I think anybody could pick up and start to do this or contribute to this kind of effort with very little kind of training and tool support, um, which is what, one of the things I wanted to set out to do. I often spend a lot of time doing deeply, deeply technical things and very abstract kind of standards development, and I just wanted to kind of roll my sleeves up and kind of work with some data just to kind of understand what the process would be and get some insight into how well the current tools work and maybe, you know, maybe there are slightly better things that we can do. There's um, the Google, um, Google tools for creating the maps and kind of doing the overlays are great. There's some rough edges. You know, when you export from the map engine to Google Earth, it doesn't have quite the same presentation, so there's things to tidy up there. Um, but, you know, there's lots of maps out there. Because there's so, the, the British Library um, uh, photo collection is so wide, there's maps of lots of other places, not just in the UK, but around the world, that you know, other local initiatives could pick up and use. Um, the other thing is it's kind of just made me uh, experience Bath in a slightly different way. There's a, um, there's a William Gibson short story called The Gernsback Continuum, um, which is about a photographer who's given an assignment to go out and take photographs of futuristic architecture. Um, and he gets um, the kind of architecture that we would think of as kind of 50s sci-fi kind of stuff. And he gets so obsessed by it that he starts having visions of an alternate reality where that, those, um, those buildings have become the norm and the, kind of what it would look like. I'm kind of having the same experience in Bath now, but I'm not looking at the future, I'm looking at the past. I'm kind of wandering around town and I keep seeing glimpses of this, these older versions of the city that are no longer there. I'm kind of becoming aware of that big space or park 
that there used to be some buildings there, or that building, you know, that used to be the Grand Pump Room Hotel. Isn't it a shame it's gone? Um, so it's kind of given me some insight into the city and the kind of rates of change. Um, some of our cities are changing and growing very rapidly, you know, kind of expanding. Um, areas like Shoreditch have kind of, kind of been continually broken down and rewritten as we kind of rebuild sections of the city to serve kind of more modern, modern purposes. But um, even the rates of change on a particular street are very different. The, the rate of change at ground level where shop fronts and stuff are, con- are continually changing is very different to what's probably just above your eye line where you can kind of see some of the, the bones of the old parts of the city still kind of in evidence. So even if I don't get you excited about georeferencing old maps today, I want to encourage you to kind of go out, look up occasionally and see some of these kind of older views of the city um, because there's, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff, stuff out there. So that was everything I had to say. So if you want to have a look at it, it's on maps.bathhack.org. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.